Uh, as you look at the title, you'll see that it says, Oh, me of little faith, and that's really not a typo. So, it's correct, Oh, me of little faith. But if you look at the title, you're going to see uh, that we're going to be talking about faith today. What is faith? I guess you can best describe something by what it does or what it doesn't do. So today I'm going to be talking about what the purpose of faith is, how faith grows. But before I do, why don't we start with prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll fill us with your spirit, that you will be here, that we will know surely the presence of the Lord is in this place. And it will be you, Lord, that speaks through us, that we may be guided and led so that one day soon we will enter in through the gates into the city. For this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Faith has a beginning purpose. So let's turn in our Bibles to see what that is. Let's turn in our Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. I know the pastor always says, well, when you're there, say amen. I always am, I'm usually one of the last ones there, so I won't, I won't tell you to say that, because usually by the time I get there, Y'all are there. So, Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you are saved, through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. So faith, faith is, I'll stay closer to this. Faith is, first purpose is salvation. Do you guys remember when your faith started? I can remember when my faith started. But before I can tell you about my faith, how it began, I have to tell you a little bit about my past. As a child, I do remember this. I remember that my greatest fear in life was the fear of being alone. I hated this feeling more than anything in the world. In fact, I hated being alone or feeling alone so much that I was willing to do just about anything so that I wouldn't be alone. At 10, my brother, a friend, and I decided to break into houses and, and businesses just for the purpose of not being alone. At 12, because of labor disputes, my parents moved to uh, Oregon and Washington. Looking, my dad was looking for work. And we lived in low-income houses. We lived in sleazy hotels. We lived out of a tent in a park. And we even spent a night in a rescue mission and enjoyed the soup line. Uh, during this time, of course, I felt that, that I was uprooted. And I felt alone. So to fix this, I quickly made friends. Thought number one, be careful what friends you choose. Because what friends you choose are who you're going to become. I start picking up habits, drugs, alcohol, cigarettes. Between the years of 12 and 17, 
my life started spiraling downhill. Now that's pretty young for, you know, for somebody's life to spiral downhill. I was arrested several times for anger, partying, drugs, and even grand theft auto. And although I wasn't always the instigator, I was always guilty by association. Because you know, if you're there, you're just as, you're just as guilty. I spent many days and nights in juvenile hall. And my life continued to spiral downhill. Finally, one evening for me, I hit rock bottom. I was with my friends in my house, and we started taking drugs. We were having a great time. We were all high and having a great experience. After a while, my friends decided, hey, it's time to go outside and experience this high elsewhere. So as we all started going outside, my mom decided that she didn't want me to go, so I stayed at home. My other friends left, and I was home alone. <gasps> oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> my high experience changed from this great high to a miserable, horrible experience in a matter of minutes. I found myself alone. Fear took over, and I started freaking out. My mom tried to calm me down, but I was going absolutely crazy. She took me in the car and drove me somewhere where I could be safe. But I was so crazy that while she was driving down the road, I jumped out of the car. Didn't matter, but I found myself again in a dark place and alone. There was no one around, so I didn't know what to do. I walked to a 7-Eleven grocery store, and I grabbed the, the cashier by the throat and told him, if you don't call the cops, I'm going to kill you, because I was looking for help. So the, the grocery store manager decided to call the police. Um, and when they came, I changed. But finally, in my stupidity, after a bunch of stupidity, the police finally took me to jail. Ah, but that night wasn't over. They took me to a psychiatric hospital, and, um, and they put me in the, in the psych unit for, for that evening. Uh, I stayed in that psych unit, and they shot me up with tranquilizers, trying to get me down from, from what I had done. But nothing worked. The police didn't work. The psych unit didn't work. The tranquilizers didn't work. They even brought in a preacher to, pre to pray over me. That didn't work either. I was at my wit's end. I didn't know what to do. I was scared, dark, and alone. Uh, so finally, I fell on my knees. I asked God to help me. I said, there's nothing I could do. Lord, I need you. So when I opened my eyes, the next thing I saw was I was down for my drugs, and it was completely daylight. Thought number two, when Jesus comes into your life, darkness flees. Looking back, I see, I see more than that. I see that God started my faith even before my faith started. Does that make sense? I remember when I was eight years old. I was working in a rodeo, 
And uh, I wasn't watching the surroundings. In the arena where I was, there was this big bull. His name was Stubbs. He's a Brahma, he was a Brahma bull. He had never been ridden for eight seconds. He was big, he was mean, and he was ugly. This bull was being, trying to be ridden by, by a, a pro rider. It was an exhibition, and the rider was doing it with two hands. He, stood, he still couldn't stay on this bull. Now, the next thing I knew, I was, I was focusing on this um, uh, steer area. I was roping, working on roping cattle, which you take this rubber band and you put it around the steers so that when the gate opens, the steer runs out, and when they get to a certain point, the rubber band breaks, the uh, rope goes down, and the uh, rider can come out. So that's what I was doing. Next thing I know, Stubbs is running, charging at me. I was 30 feet away from a six-foot high fence. Now, is there anyone out there eight years old or close to it? How tall are you? How easy would it be to climb a six-foot high fence? The next thing I knew, I was on the other side of the fence. I was standing looking at Stubbs. Stubbs was stopped where I, had, I was, looking bewildered at me. I have no idea how I got there, but I know it was a miracle. Another time, I was uh, in a stolen vehicle, and um, the driver was going in the excess of 85 miles an hour. We were driving down this street. It was a very narrow street. Uh, it was a residential area. Have you ever seen those residential areas with narrow streets, and then there's cars on both sides? Well, that's what this looked like. He's going 85 miles an hour. He starts swerving. He lost complete control, and he's swerving side to side. I was in the back, and of course, you know, I was not very smart, and I wasn't buckled in or anything. Um, pretty much, if we were going to hit a parked car, we were pretty doomed. The next thing I know, the car was stopped. No one got hurt. No accident. That was a miracle. You see, God started working with me even before I knew it, even before I asked. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But faith, it has more than one purpose. The first purpose that we just talked about, about faith, is salvation. And every one of us has an experience of that. And if not, let me introduce you to my Lord. Let's turn to your Bibles to Ephesians 3, verse 21. I'm sorry, 3, verse 28. Yep, that's not it, is it? Well, I looked it up, and that's, I'm sorry, and I don't have that answer. I will tell you this, that it says, wherever that scripture was, it says, we are justified by faith. To be justified by faith is to be just as I've never sinned. You see, Jesus comes into our hearts and he saves us. By faith we are saved. We are saved through grace, by grace, through faith. We are also justified by faith. 
God takes our sins and he removes them. And we are justified just if I've never sinned. So what's another purpose of faith? Let's turn to the book of Romans 5.2, and I'm pretty sure this is a correct one. That's in Romans 5.2. It was was Romans 3.28, thank you. That's Romans 5.2. It says, by whom also we have access by faith unto his grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope and the glory of the Lord. Now, I like to look at this verse like this. God has this access panel to my heart where he can come in and change me and help me and make me stand. You see, God is able to, by the access to my heart, able to stand, and that comes through faith. Let's also turn to the book of um, 1 Corinthians, chapter 2, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5. It says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, our faith should stand. Have you ever taken a stand for your faith? I can tell you about my stand. My stand happened in the United States Marine Corps. I joined the Corps after I could no longer stay with my mom because I was having those continual flashbacks of that nightmare night that I had. I needed to get away from the environment. I needed to move on. So I went and I stayed with my dad in California for a little while. But after he kicked me out of the house because his wife had raised up three children and she didn't feel like she could raise up anymore, I stayed with my mom's best friend, a single school teacher, to get through, to get through high school. You know, she was supposed to be an atheist. But she didn't know this, but she was an instrument that God used to help me grow. Because of her tenacity, I graduated high school. And believe me, for me, that was a huge thing. Can you imagine this from 12 to 17, this guy who's a drug addict who hardly ever goes to school? I mean, what school? Yet God gave me the victory and helped me graduate school. That was awesome. Well, right after high school, I went in the Marine Corps. God opened up many doors for me, and he placed me in Hawaii. What a duty station, right? I remember my first week there. I was alone, and... and, and uh, these Sunday uh, Marines decided, hey, let's go to church. And I said, all right, I'll go with you. So we got in their van. We went to their church. It was somewhere in Hawaii. I'd only been there a week. I had no idea where I was at. So we got there, and I noticed as soon as I walked into the place, it was cold. And, and I don't mean cold as far as, what I mean, we're in Hawaii, right? Nothing's cold. But 
their at the atmosphere was cold. The environment was hostile. They, um, they started smacking or, or bashing other denominations, telling all these denominations, saying why their denomination was the best, and the way they did that was by cutting down all these other denominations. When they got to the Adventist faith, I remembered a girlfriend that I had many, many, many years ago. Uh, I didn't know much about her belief, but what I do remember is that she was an example of what a Christian should be to me. So, thought number three. We are living examples in one way or the other, whether it's good or bad. So, the, the atmosphere of that place made me so uncomfortable that I decided to walk back to the barracks, wherever that was. And as I was walking back, I was alone with God. And I talked to him. I said, Lord, I know somewhere out there you have a true church. And he does. He does. Uh, but a church, I was looking not for, not only a, a church, but a church of acceptance and a church of truth. Well, be careful what you ask for, Right? So soon after the experience, I, I was placed on mess duty in the Marine Corps. I don't know if you guys know what mess duty is, but mess duty is a time where you spend from early in the morning till late in the evening, seven days a week, for 30 days, you're doing this mess duty and you're cooking and for all of the uh, Marines in the, in, the, um, uh, the, uh, in the area. Um, so, we had, so I was on mess duty. Well, while I was in there on mess duty, I noticed that um, there were a couple cooks who were on fire. They had a newfound faith, a newfound truth, and they were eager to tell about it. One of the cooks, he said, he talked to me about the Sabbath. He said, the Sabbath is Saturday, the seventh day of the week. And of course, in my ignorance, I <clears throat> said, I know a thousand scriptures that say Sunday is a Sabbath. What are you talking about? You don't know what you're talking about. Of course Sunday's a Sabbath. But what he did was he said, hey, what if I get you out of mess duty for a day? Will you come to church with me? <laughs> well, anything to get out of mess duty, right? I mean, from 4 o'clock in the morning to 11 o'clock at night, of course I'll go with you. And I did. Now, do you remember the church that we talked about before, how they were cold and, and they, they bashed? Well, I went to this church, and it was the exact opposite. Here I was, six foot four. I'm wearing, uh, I'm wearing dark, those, you know, those bug-eye glasses, those, you know, you're not going to see my eyes because you don't know where I was the night before. Um, I, uh, I had flip-flops on. We used to call them another word, but I won't even go there. We wear, but, but flip-flops and um, shorts and a t-shirt. And I went into the church. Oh, oh, and I also had a cigarette hanging out of my mouth. And I went into the church, and they didn't care what I looked like. They didn't care. They loved me for who I was. Well, that leads us to thought number four. Guys, love makes a difference. 
Love makes a difference. Well, through time I, drew, I grew, I grew to love the doctrine. It was awesome. God's word was more exciting to me each day. I was learning more and more about the Sabbath, learning more and more about the doctrine, finding God eating up his word. Oh, I was having so much fun. We were even able to, I was, I was able to listen to uh, firsthand to these, these great evangelists like C.D. Brooks, and we sat at the same table and talked for hours and hours. Oh, the Lord has blessed that man. And another person, Joe Melashenko. We used to call him Mango Melashenko because he loved mangoes, but it, made, it gave him a rash. He, he was so cool. In fact, one night in his, in his um, evangelistic crusade, I, um, I told him, I had to, now, Cigarettes was very difficult for me. God gave me the victory over drugs. He gave me the victory. Uh, he was giving me the victory over drugs and alcohol. I was pretty much there. But cigarettes, mm -mm. sorry, I, I, something about the addiction of cigarettes that was very difficult to break. I remember many times where I gave it up and I threw it in the trash can. I, you know, wadded my pack up and threw it in the trash can only to a couple hours later, you push, piece them back together and smoke them. Well, this day, I went to Joe Melashenko and I said, you know, Pastor, by God's grace, I quit smoking. Do you know God gave me the, such a strong victory over cigarettes that I've never desired to have a cigarette since then? That, since that point right there. He made me stand up in front of everybody and say, oh, I quit smoking, and I couldn't do it. I stood up, but I, the words couldn't come out. A week later, I was baptized Uh, let's, look to, let's look in the book uh, of 2 Corinthians 5, 7. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. And it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Amen. So by faith we walk. Amen to that. My walk was continuing. The things that once had control over me no longer did. I was filled with the love of my Savior. And I decided to make a stand for him in everything I did. I was baptized on November 1st, 1981. And I also stood for the Sabbath and refused to work on that day. And that's a testimony of another time, but God worked miracles. You know, God gave me the words to say and put the right people in the right place to open a door that God's grace, that by God's grace, it'll never be closed again. So, so far we've talked about the saving, justifying purpose of faith. We've talked about standing and walking purpose of faith. Now I want to talk to you about a third purpose of faith. Let's turn in our Bibles to Acts 26. Acts 26, verse 8.
Yep. Well, that's not it, is it? I want to tell you a little bit about how God is, uh, how God gave me this message. Um, last week, uh, I volunteered, but I said I need to pray about it first. So I prayed about it, and Sunday morning came, and God filled me with the words. And I thought, man, this is going to be easy. This is going to be the easiest sermon I've ever preached. Piece of cake, right? So I went to put it together, and through the week I was studying it, put it together, and nothing came together. Well, finally Thursday came, and, and God made me, I, I, somehow I, I was sick, so I wasn't able to go to work. And, and it came together. It all came together. I'm thinking, praise God. And then last night came, and I started studying again, and God said, that's not what I want you to preach. So from last night till today, God replaced everything. The message is close, but it's not the same message that God gave me on Sunday. Um, so I, I apologize about missing uh, some of the scriptures. Uh, but I will tell you, I will look it up and, and find out exactly where that was. Um, I will tell you this. It's in, um, it, it talks about being sanctified by the faith. Turn to First uh, John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So our faith has an overcoming power. Another purpose of our, of our faith is to overcome. To be sanctified. To overcome. Ephesians 4.13. Let's look in the book of Ephesians 4.13. It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So faith will make us perfect. And the last verse in this area I want to look is in Hebrews 12, verse 2. says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. So guess what? God finishes what he starts. So faith saves us. It justifies us. By faith we stand. We walk in the faith. We grow in the faith. We are completed by faith. We are finished by faith. 
By faith we overcome and we're made perfect. Wow, that's a lot of faith, isn't it? Well, how do we develop our faith? How does our faith grow? Or what can we do? The disciples asked Jesus in Luke 17, 5, he said, Lord, increase our faith. Yet every time they failed or doubted Jesus, Jesus told them, oh, you of little faith. So to lack faith is to doubt. But to doubt what? To doubt God. You see, every time we lack faith or we doubt God, we're asking ourselves, we're, we're asking this question. We're saying, has God done what he said he would do? Is God big enough to save me, to make me an overcomer? Has God made the difference in your life? As a result, have you made a difference in others? Have people come to the foot of the cross because of your faith? Are you standing in the power of God? Are you walking in the faith? Are you daily being sanctified? Is your faith growing or is it failing? Faith is like a muscle. It grows as it is used. The more he does for you, the more you can trust him. But how does faith grow? We're going to find five ways in which faith grows. The first way is it grows by experience. What's happened to you in your life? What has God done for you? Or what has God done for others? How many of you remember the faith chapter in Hebrews, chapter 11? The faith chapter where God has done so much for them. And because he did that for them, I'm stronger. So my faith can grow by my experience and by yours too. Second way faith can grow is found in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. 1 Thessalonians 3.10. It says, Night and day, praying exceedingly, that we might see your face and might be perfect in that which is lacking in your faith. So we can grow through prayer. Our faith will grow through prayer. Look up Romans 10, 17. It says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So, so far, we're learning that faith is de developed through experiences, yours and others. That faith is developed in prayer. That faith is developed in studying the word. Galatians 3.14 says, faith is developed by claiming God's promises. 
Do you know there's over 3,000 promises in the Bible and they're all there waiting for you? In 1 Timothy 4, 6 is a final thing that faith does or, or to develop faith. And it's developing it by memorizing God's word. We're told we're supposed to study his word and memorize it until it becomes easy. The walk of the Christian isn't an easy walk. Do you know we're last, we're, we are God's last day representatives right here, right now. If we stay faithful, we will reveal Christ's character more complete than ever before to a fallen generation. But we can't give up. In the Testimonies to the Church, Volume 2, page 594, Mrs. White dreamed a dream about a trip to heaven. I'm going to tell you this dream, but I'm going to paraphrase it a little bit. So what I would like you guys to do is when you have time, look it up and, and read it for yourself. Our Parkwood Church was in one accord, and together we started out to the mountain of God going to heaven. We bought our buses. We loaded them up with all kinds of stuff. We were ready to go. We had our, we had our best attire. We started driving. PG was singing songs, playing the, playing the guitar, and, and his wife was, was filling the ivory on, on, on one of those portables. We were just having a blast. The bus was driving. We were going up the, the, the mountain to God. But as we kept going, the road started narrowing. Got to the point where we had to stop the bus and get out. So we got out of the bus, we took our luggage, and we pulled out our four-wheelers that we had in the, in the bus. We, we put our luggage on the four-wheelers and we kept going. We're going to heaven. So we kept going, and we noticed that we're going up this mountain, the mountain of God, and we noticed on the left, or on one side, there was this deep, dark cliff. And on the other side was a white wall, straight up, smooth and white. So we were going up this hill. Now we're in our forerunners, right? And we're driving. The road gets narrow. We have to take the luggage and dump it off. We're, we're still going. Then the road narrows more. And we, and we decide as the road becomes a trail, we decide we have to get off the four wheels. And we have to start walking. So we're walking. Now as we're walking, we notice that on the, on the side of this wall, there are cords. There are cords that are hanging straight down, and we don't know where these cords are coming from. We can't see how high they are, who's holding on to them, who's, who's, if they're tied. So we grab one of the cords. Each person has a cord. And this cord, as we walk, it goes right with us. And we keep climbing the hill of God. The road becomes more and more narrow, or the trail becomes more and more narrow, to the point where we're sliding off. We have to take our shoes and socks off because that's the only way we're going to be able to hold on. One thing we notice, though, is as we get, as, as the road becomes more steep and the, and, and, and the trail is more narrow, that cord becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. The bigger, the, 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 the harder it is to walk, the larger the cord becomes. And we keep walking up the hill. 
we notice as we've taken our shoes and socks off, we notice that there's blood streaks on that white wall from us and from the people who have traveled before us. But we keep going anyway because we're of one mind and one heart. We're going to go to heaven. So we keep going. We notice that this, that this rope now is almost as big as we are so that we can reach around it and hold tight because now there's no trail at all. So we hold on to this cord until finally we reach the other side. This cord is nothing less than faith. By faith we stand. And that's the only way we can stand. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 13, it says that we are in a fight. We're in a dogfight. Satan does not want any one of us to reach heaven. We have to stand. And it says, having done all to stand, stand. How's your faith? Will your faith stand? Is there any area in your life that your faith needs to grow? I have to say my faith needs help. But how do I know if I'm growing in the faith? I should be walking, completed, overcoming, standing, and being made perfect. So what's a way to see whether I'm doing that? I'm going to look back at my life, and if I'm going to look at the highs and the lows and ask myself, have I ever been closer to God than I am right now? If so, I've slipped, and I've stopped growing somewhere. But you can ask yourself that question, too. And if your answer is no, that you're closer now than you've ever been before, my advice to you is praise God and keep up the faith. Keep going. Don't stop. But if you find that in your life you were closer to God at a time than you are, more than you are now, my advice to you is let's get back to the basics. Experience Him daily through love and prayer, through study, through promises, memorizing His word and sharing your faith. Faith in Jesus is our only hope. So my appeal to you is a simple appeal. What area are you lacking your faith in? Is it in your prayer life? Do you walk with God as Enoch walked with God? Do you have a serious prayer life? If not, start today. Start spending time talking to him as, as you talk to a friend. Or, is it your studying habits? Do you spend faithful time studying God's word? Are you faithfully opening the scriptures up daily and through patient and comfort of the scriptures you find hope? If this is your weakness, set aside at least 30 minutes a day and get into God's word. Do you need to claim more of God's promises? I say start with one and claim it as though your life depended on it because it does. Or do you hide God's word in your heart 
through memorization. You know, like we said, we should memorize until it becomes easy. But you have to start somewhere. Finally, do you need help sharing your faith? Is this your weakness? My appeal to you, if this is your weakness, get a hold of Pastor or Brooke. Let them help you become fishers of men. You know, for me and my church, we will serve the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you the glory. We thank you for starting faith in us. But Lord, we praise you for completing it. And we know that soon, when you come, you will find faithful people because we trust in you. May we all say that this is our God in whom I trusted. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen.